sundown shining in him. Hey now, Jen Lowenstern and Larry Lauper broadcasting sort of live. There goes Kenny Rogers through broker-talk.com and our Facebook page during the coronavirus pandemic. Our show today is all about family and our global family, the global family. A month or two ago, we had this odd notion that we could eliminate this novel virus by staying away from one another. And maybe that works, or maybe it doesn't work. I'm not sure anymore. I hear that New Zealand did it right, and I hear that the U.S. didn't. I hear that next winter will be a time of infections reaching new records of outbreaks. And I see financial markets bouncing up and down, not knowing which way to go. Larry, help me out. Real estate <laughs> is what our show is about. And the real estate market is not the healthiest it's ever been, but it's far from dead. Interest rates are super low and inventory is low as well. Things are selling, but it's tougher to sell property in this environment. The statistics show sales are still rolling along. How are you doing, Larry? And what do you think? I think of all the world leaders, I think I do like the New Zealand uh, uh, leader because she early on let the kids know that the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny were exempt from uh, COVID-19. Today's show, Jim, is about family and we're lucky uh, and service because the, the essential workers out there are the people on the front line keeping people alive. Uh, we're understanding a family, the global family and the immediate family uh, is changing. But today we're very, very lucky to have an actual family, both people in service to their communities, uh, Joseph Frederick and Jennifer Orozak. Now Jennifer is a uh, physician's assistant um, to a vascular surgeon. Uh, she is also the director of advanced practice providers at Rush University and Medical Center. And her father, Joseph, is on the board of supervisors, Joe. I couldn't find it on, on the web. What is your it's, title? It's a councilman and it's borough council in Doylestown. Uh, okay, Not to be confused so, with Doylestown Township. Correct. I was looking in the township. Um, okay. Little known fact to our listeners, I grew up in Doylestown. Joe and I went to elementary school together all the way through. But welcome aboard, uh, Jen and Joe. Um, how are things in your world, Jen? You know, things are okay. It's, it has been really crazy for the last couple of months. Um, as you know, Chicago is a little bit different than Doylestown probably uh, in terms of numbers and what we've seen and uh, the number of cases that we've seen. And in Illinois, we're up over 80,000 now, um, closer to 90,000, um, with majority of those being in Chicagoland area. So um, we're a large academic medical center, rushes in Chicago. And so we handled majority of the first cases as well as a large number of the really critically ill patients and are still handling them here in Chicago. And so um, I think my dad will tell you that I've been pretty much at work since the beginning of March, uh, weekends, nights, you name it, I'm here. So 
Um, but we're hanging in there. I, we're starting to flatten that curve. So we're, I feel a little bit better as we move into May. What are you seeing in Doylestown, Joe? Well, recently, uh, with the, uh, the, the state still has us, Governor Wolf still has us in a lockdown, we're still uh, we're moving towards yellow, which is going to lighten up a bit uh, with, so we can get out and open up some uh, of our local uh, businesses, such as restaurants, uh, stores. And we're headed towards that, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, so we uh, most of our uh, problems for COVID, have come from our nursing homes. Uh, if, if we did not have nursing homes here, I think we'd be very low. We'd be back to not normalcy, but we'd be headed that way. So that's where our, our problem lies. And we're still trying to uh, figure out how to save our businesses in town because we've been down uh, in this now for you know a month and a half, two months. It's getting very tough on our restaurants and uh, our, our businesses. So we're we're brainstorming on ways to try and save them uh, to make sure they make it through with the rest of us. Sure, I completely understand the you know, the the devastation, economic devastation. Uh, but let's let's get back to that for a moment. Um, uh, Jen, you were on on the front lines when it really started hitting in a major city here in the United States. What kind of best practices were were going on there, and how has that changed since then? So what are you feeling right now? You know, so so Rush is one of uh, the leading academic centers in Chicago. And so what we really tried to do when this first hit is set the bar for the rest of the hospitals um, in Chicago area. And, and that is, you know, we're very well known for our quality and our safety. So we went right from the get-go with preparation. And from setting up ambulance bays and tents and mobilizing physicians and PAs and nurse practitioners to the front lines, nurses. Um, we, we banned all visitors from the hospitals. Everybody started wearing masks. We went into uh, massive testing as well as enrolled our patients in many of the trials that you now see for medications as, as well as testing. Um, so, we, so we really did a lot. We also worked closely with the governor's office. I'm, you know, my other hat outside of my the 400 people that I that I help manage in the hospital system um, is the legislative um, and regulatory arena uh, in the state uh, for uh, healthcare, and so worked very closely with with the Rush team, the legal team, as well as the governor's office to to really standardize how we're gonna handle these patients throughout Chicago. We went into homeless shelters, we went into nursing homes, we went into people's homes to test them um, because we knew it was so uh, widely community spread. Um, now we're back to reopening. Um, you know, people, what we've started to see is patients that have not taken care of their health problems in the last two and a half months have not wanted to come to a hospital, see a doctor, see a PA, see a nurse practitioner, and they're starting to come in really, really sick to the emergency room. And so we started back with surgeries this week. So we we have a lot of people getting surgery again, as well as coming back to get your routine colonoscopies, mammograms, as well as your medications refilled um, to try to get back to some normalcy and start taking care of ourselves again. Uh, is really been the focus now and trying to balance how do we take care of all these COVID patients that we still have, as well as take care of everybody else that doesn't have COVID um, and, and help them continue with their health care. Uh, 
you know, the other piece of this is really wellness and mental health. And so we've seen a, a big uptick in a lot of the mental health issues. I mean, people have been locked in their houses for two, for two plus months here and it, it takes its toll and the economic toll, um, you know, we're feeling it at the hospital and we've, we've had to make a lot of changes and um, it's, it's really difficult time right now. So, but, but we're starting to try to, we're gonna live this new normal for a long time and it's gonna be years probably that we're gonna have to live with both, you know, the old way is gone. So how do we live with COVID and how do we deal oh, with ho that? Hopefully forward? it uh, will be gone soon. So I have uh, one question, Jen, and then uh, Joe, I also have a question for you. Uh, let's say someone doesn't think they have COVID, but they really need to go to the hospital. They were cutting, cutting something and they sliced their finger and they know they need stitches, there's blood everywhere. They're afraid to go to the hospital, but they have no choice. When they get to the hospital, what are they going to expect? I mean, in the old days, they'd walk into the emergency room and, you know, you don't have to be scared that you're going to die of COVID-19. Are patients separated when they come in? Is it like a big sign, COVID-19 here, finger cuts here? Yeah, you know what, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we've really stressed with our patients here, and I know the rest of the hospitals in Chicago have done the same thing. We've really changed the way that you operate in the hospital system. There is, so from the moment you walk in, so one, you can't bring anybody with you. So, you know, if, if you have to come to the emergency room, you have to be prepared to get dropped off because no one's coming in the door with you. You're gonna get a mask as soon as you walk in every single person gets temperature screened as soon as they walk in. So they can't even get past the front door without being screened. If they had a fever, they go to a COVID area. If they don't, um, they go to a non-COVID area. We maintain social distance. We have minimal contact with, with individuals as we, start to, um, as we start to examine them. And every precaution is taken so that there is little to no risk to the patient of, of spreading COVID um, when they come. So patients should really feel safe coming to a hospital, going um, and getting their medical care um, because they, they need to. So if you have to go to the emergency room, you should go. And there are proper precautions in place to help protect you from COVID. Okay, and, and Joe. We had a doctor on a couple of, uh, I'm sorry, Jim, you, you were starting. Yeah, no, I had a question for Joe. Uh, so when your restaurants, I, I guess they've been closed now for two months, almost? Approximately, yes. Okay, so they're gonna reopen. Um, are people gonna be lifting up masks when, they, when they're eating or pulling down masks when they're drinking? Uh, how far apart are the tables now? Or are you removing tables? Uh, what, what is the, what's the plan there? I'm trying to imagine we, it. We haven't uh, gotten our uh, information from uh, Governor Wolf yet on uh, procedures for when they do open up. We will have procedures for that. And then we will be checking on to make sure that people are not just flooding into a restaurant that they like. Uh, we're going to try and make uh, things to help the restaurants out because 25 percent uh, of their business coming back is not going to be sufficient for them. So we're thinking um, outside the box and shutting down a few streets so people can put tables outside and they can spread out. Um, 
But what we don't want is this thing to just people just to go try and go back to the way it was. Uh, that that's not going to work. And uh, so we're going we're going to watch it closely. And so we're really talking with each other and with the, with the fire department, with the uh, EMS, with everybody has has uh, had a hand in this on how we proceed uh, now and in the future. And then when we get the guidelines from the state, uh, we will we will uh, attempt to. Uh, bring everybody in, let them know what's going on and what we expect from them because we don't want to have a situation where people, like I said, are, are going in too many into a restaurant at one time. And uh, so we'll try and limit that and, and make sure that does not happen. And the problem is you have a small restaurant and even if you only had three tables in the whole restaurant now, uh, paying the bills is one thing, but two or three people... I don't know. You could have people outside. Now people are going to come in. There may be one men's room, one women's room. And I don't think there's going That's to be correct. any way to keep people six feet apart uh, if they're queuing up for a bathroom or the cash register in a small establishment. I don't know. Jen, you can speak to how infectious this, this, this disease yeah. is. Can you imagine it not resulting in shutdowns once again well, if i yeah, could just I say something to that we we are going to um and some other states have done it we've, we've seen this is coming along and we're going to try and implement uh when someone uses the bathroom that that bathroom has to be cleaned immediately after that and, if uh, somebody if somebody uses the uh the equipment to um, add up your 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 dinner and everything else and um you know that's going to be cleaned immediately after they do that so uh, we're, those are the kind of things that are going to have to be done in order that people can come in and feel safe. Because if, if they don't feel safe, they're not going to come back. That's just the way it's going to be. And so we have to uh, at least let them know that here's the procedure. If this procedure is not followed, uh, please let us know. Procedures in place. Right. Yeah. I, you know, this is, well, we have a this is going to be... This is going to be the tough part, right? This is going to be the tough part trying to figure out the controlled reopening. And, and, and if you just compared, if you took New York, for example, and compared it to Chicago, and we saw what happened in New York, right? It was this sudden increase of, you know, thousands upon thousands of patients that, that got sick, and it overwhelmed the whole healthcare system. And that's because many of these social distancing and, and masks and all of the things which we think may work, may not work. Well, I think Chicago is one of those testaments to show that it does work, right? We, we knew, we didn't want what happened in New York to happen here in Chicago. So immediately, put many of those things in place. And though the numbers continued to rise, right, we're getting close to New York numbers. It rose very slowly and allowed people to adapt and to change. And so we had a much more successful controlled spread of the, you know, and it's community spread. It's out there. It's out there now. So, um, but it it is one of the tough parts. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't have any, we don't have any vaccine. We don't have any cure. Um, and, you know, yes, it affects the disease of, you know, the elderly and, and those with medical problems, but we're also seeing 20 and 30 year olds and children and there's really no, and healthy ones, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And, and again, that just is a testament to this disease is not fully understood yet. Um, and, and unfortunately we're, we're going to have to be very careful for the next many, many months and, and many, many years 
and, and it's going to be a challenge to figure it out. I think we can figure it out, though. I think we can figure out how to live and this way and, and try to adapt so we can, um, you know, minimize the spread as much as possible. Okay. Our, our show today is sponsored by Castles Unlimited. Go to castlesunlimited.com for the most listings and the most up-to-the-minute real estate news. Castlesunlimited.com is where you should go for the best real estate offers. The best, number one, and there's no puffery there. The mighty realtors at Castles Unlimited. We're essential services. I've never been essential in my life. But uh, <laughs> there's been moments. Uh, I guarantee that the the, uh, the distancing that we're, we're having to take right now is not going to put the OBGYNs out of business. There will be people who will cross that barrier. I'm pretty sure. But um, we did have Plastic a doctor. surgeons, though, could have a problem. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, we had a doctor on a couple of weeks ago who thought his whole take was the older people are going to die. We had Joe say that, you know, it's but are you seeing that as statistics that it's all it's skewed towards senior citizens? Jen? Yeah, I think what we've, you know, what the data shows and what the CDC data shows is that um, the right now the age is around 55 and older, uh, have the, the highest risk, uh, the, and that those with multiple medical problems have the highest risk, right? And those that are over 55 are usually the ones with the multiple medical problems. Uh, so, so, yes, those have the highest risk of poor outcomes from, from COVID uh, than others. And, and it just... It, we're, we're, we're learning so many new things about it every day. Uh, and, uh, but, but that does seem to be the trend in the population of, of who it's going to affect the most and that have uh, the, the poorest outcomes from this and, and the disease in, in the lungs and what's so scary is, and, you know, and, and concerning, I should say, is that it happens so rapidly. Right. And, you know, when, when, lung disease, things like influenza, we know what to expect. We, we sort of know the course or can anticipate as a, as a provider, I can anticipate the course. Some of this, we haven't been able to anticipate it. People are going from talking to me and, you know, having a fever today to being fully on the vent on, on the breathing machine and flipped over on their stomach tomorrow. And we just don't, we don't understand it. And, um, it's really for, for those in the science world and physicians and, and PAs like me and nurse practitioners, it really is just, it's, it's baffling. And it's so frustrating. I can tell you as a healthcare provider, when you can't, you can't do anything. You, you can do all the things that you can do and that you were taught and that you've learned and every medical novel that you can think of. And it just, at the end of the day, it breaks your heart because you've done everything that you could and there's just nothing more that you can do. And so that's some of the stuff we're tackling with, with even our staff here. Right. I mean, I'm used to people, it, you know, you might lose a patient, one or two patients if you work in the ICU a month. Now we're losing patients every day. And you can imagine the toll that that takes on the, on the frontline staff trying to deal with that. So um, it's tough. Okay, but, so, but so obviously this is really contagious. So I, I have a listing, uh, RadcliffeHill.com, if you want to look at it, it's 7.888 million. 
got a big patio, um, an outdoor kitchen. It's never been used. It's a brand new house. And we're trying to figure out, we've listed it literally like the week that everything started becoming reality. And we were all scratching our heads saying, how did this happen? It, it, it seems like a, a horror movie. Uh, so now we're sort of coming out of it in um, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the 18th of May. Is that right, Larry? You're kind of opening again. Uh, slowly. May, May 18th is when we're which supposed I, to come up, which, which is I, next week. Which I think it, which is Monday, perhaps. So I'm thinking, okay, let's get a barbecue going. Let's have just a few invited real estate agents who may have already seen the house, but they just want to a party. socialize a little. Yeah, not, not, I wouldn't go so as far as, uh, we're still trying to get the house sold. So it's under the, you know, broker open house kind of uh, heading. How, what, what do I do? Take blue tape and, and make grids on the patio and have people stand in like a checkerboard? Uh, I, I can't even think of this out. Idea. And, I and Joe, different. I'm talking to you about the the restaurant because I'm I'm thinking how do I even do it in in the open air, on a huge patio, on a half acre lot, and even then in my mind I'm not even safe, and the people I'm inviting I can probably only invite ten people to an eleven thousand square foot house yeah. and keep them healthy. What do what are we what are we doing here? That's that's the that's the disease and that's the virus that's causing you to do this and you've got to use your common sense uh you just keep everybody apart as far as you can that that you can talk to each other normally and do the best you can with that um you know everybody's touching surfaces you've got to make it plain to everybody all right that's your glass that's your plate you know we're not commingling anything here and you know common sense i think would help a lot of people but people are so scared of it uh, and we see it in, in town. People avoid each other crossing streets, going back and forth. But, um, you know, it's we're trying. It's a community. We live in a community. So it's like a family. It's the same thing. So everybody's watching out for everybody. And we're all doing the best we can with this. So um, you can have get togethers, uh, but just just be smart about it. Do, do what you're told to do and keep a mask on and uh, stay far enough apart from each other that you're not going to. Uh, possibly infect each other. And, and that's, I mean, that, that's really all you can really do for that, that from my point of view. I, uh, I think that makes so much sense, Joe. I, and I, uh, I want to thank all the people who are, and it includes us, so it's kind of a pat on the back on each of us, but uh, people who are in service to others to help them through this. Common sense is a critically important factor to have right now because there's so much disinformation and then there's so much volatility that's unnecessary when you're making health decisions. There is a body of information out there that can help us. How, what would you tell people, Jen, right now as a parting uh, thing, how to be safe? I, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. And I, I love the common sense approach, right? And we're in the, in the world now, we're distracted from social media. There's so, I go home and I cringe when I'm looking at all these things on social media, all these things that are false. 
that are in that go to everybody every day. And so I would say one, think of where your source of information is um, and where you're getting it from. The CDC has very good guidelines um, that are out there. Wear your mask. I don't know if you've seen these, but if you have a mask on and the other person has a mask on, the risk of transmission is so low. Um, it, it's what we need to be doing. And you maintain the, the furthest distance that you can. And, and you minimize, you know, the, the large groups and the large gatherings. I'll tell you an example here. So people uh, over Easter got really upset that they could not see each other on Easter. And we had seen a huge uh, decline in the number of patients. And about 10 days post-Easter, we had a huge spike in the number of cases. And it was related to the family gatherings. And, and we want to see everybody. I, I get it. But, but use your common sense. Um, do what you can, do the, the essential things, but wear your mask, stay apart, and don't have big gatherings. And I think, you know, we'll learn how to live with this. Exactly. And Joe, jo, what, what are you saying to the people um, in Doylestown right now? Well, a lot of us are, are they're questioning uh, why they can't do this, why they can't do that. And we just say the rules are out there right now. We're in, we in a, a lockdown until they change that. We have no control over that. And we just tell them, do what you're told. We're not going to, we don't chase people around and give them tickets, uh, but we will uh, not allow people to just gather in big groups and stay together. We will, the police will stop and tell them, but you know, we keep, we keep every day we get a COVID report of Bucks County of what exactly how many patients, new patients, new cases and, and where they were. And every day we see that we tell people, um, this area is still a hot area. Uh, you need to be careful, really careful there. And, and people, they say, well, why? we don't see anything. Well, that doesn't mean it's not there. That virus walk around the corner, somebody doesn't have a mask and they're uh, asymptomatic, you could get infected. So just practice safety uh, before anything. And we'll get through this together. It's a community. And if you feel left out, just just call us, uh, get a hold of us. We There's there's uh, uh, nine of us here in, in council. You can call us and ask what's going on and what to do. We have a we have an excellent thing. It's called D-Mail. Um, and if you sign up for that, it's called Doylestown Mail. And our, the, the township or the borough manager sends out information on everything that we're doing uh, in the town. So you'll find out if you sign up for that, you'll find everything that's going on and you'll get that safety issue. Be safe. Okay. Uh, our news today, our real estate news sponsor today is the Savage Wiener, purveyors of the world's finest hot dogs. They are actually gourmet steak wieners. Go to thesavagewiener.com and use discount code BROKERTALK to get a nice discount on your order. That's thesavagewiener.com for yummy wieners for your at-home grilling. <laughs> We're not, a, right. there you go. not a vegetarian show. Okay. And, and this is just one news item and it just sort of fits in with the whole uh, COVID-19 theme. It's uh, the top agent network, TAN, a firm that operates a members only private group of top producing real estate agents has filed a federal antitrust lawsuit against the National Association of Realtors over a policy designed the curtail pocket listings. So pocket listings essentially are listings that are not uh, made uh, public and yet um, they are being shown. So uh, it, it's really an antitrust 
uh, lawsuit. And what makes it relevant to COVID-19 is that there are a lot of owners of properties that don't necessarily want to advertise to the entire world that their property is on the market and sort of be forced to handle lots of people coming into their properties. So um, it's going to be a very interesting um, little uh, legal wrangling there. Uh, well, thoughts uh, on, on it, Larry? But- but but Jim, that that has been illegal for a long time. Pocket listings and pocket listings, just to further explain, are when an agent or a seller is trying to sell their property outside the realm of the MLS. So you can, if say for instance, you don't want a black family or a Jewish family, or right now, who wants an angry white guy in their neighborhood? You know, so you sell it to somebody who is not that. And, and that's really the legal wrangling around that. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> no, that's... I, 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 I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, moving parts on that one. I think it has a lot to do with um, certain uh, uh, large companies and large databases online that rely on having all the listings in the database. And at the same time, there are a lot of brokers, their business is uh, selling properties, not necessarily um, putting them out there for mass consumption. Yeah. So, hey, I want to thank we both, shall see. Jen- both Jennifer um, Orozcott, or- Orozcott. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and, and Joseph Frederick for being guests on our show today. So it's up to you, Jim. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Nancy. That's it for our show today. Go to brokertalk.com for all the shows. And all of our show's music, Broker Talk, is the number one weekly real estate podcast hosted by real estate professionals that always tell it like it is. Thanks, everyone. Until next week. Thank you.